A lack of information around addiction and mental health issues has led to a lot of confusion. Heroes in Recovery is here to set the record straight and break the stigma through the power of storytelling and by celebrating the heroic efforts of those who walk this road of recovery every day. Our movement is built on the personal journeys of survivors, shining a spotlight on the disease of addiction and creating a global community of support. Go to heroesinrecovery.com to share your story, read hundreds of others, or join us for a 6K race. Together, we can break the stigma. That Sober Guy podcast contains adult content, merciless truth, and emotional nudity. Listener discretion is advised. Yo, what's up? Thanks for tuning in today. Welcome to Sober Guy Radio. Thanks to humans for bringing us in, and thanks to you for supporting the show. We are live in Nashville at the Innovations in Behavioral Healthcare Conference, brought to you by Foundations Recovery Network. Uh, if you're tuning in, if you're tuning in for the first time, welcome. Uh, I'm Shane Raymer. I'm in long-term recovery. I'm honored and grateful to serve the recovery community day in and day out, and just be a part of it. And uh, definitely grateful to uh, to be sober today. So that's uh, that's number one, first and foremost. Um, I just want to say uh, to anyone out there listening, if you or someone you love is looking for a, a life free from addiction, you can have one. All you got to do is reach out. You can do that at www.thatsoberguy.com. Of course, you can also go to foundationsrecoverynetwork.com for more information. Uh, first off, since this is the first, uh, first one we're rocking today, I just want to give some love to my family and friends back home in Vacaville, Northern California area. Love you all and thank you all for your support. Uh, our guests today are Tad and Tammy Stringham uh, with Awaken Industries. And uh, Tad has actually been uh, a guest on the show before. If you go back on uh, Sober Guy Radio, episode 97, The Truth About Racism and Why It's Against Human Nature Not to Love. Uh, one of my favorite episodes. So if you haven't caught that one yet, make sure you go back and check it out. Tad's got an amazing story uh, and uh, a whole bunch of um, uh, ups and downs and life challenges that he's been through and uh, is giving back today. Uh, in uh, in the recovery community and the work that uh, Tad and Tammy are doing. So they're both certified drug counselors and interventionists with Awaken Industries. And uh, they're really on a mission to be messengers of love and light and rebuild the lines of communication, which always seems to erode in the process of addiction. Um, now, Tad, Tammy, also we have sitting in Bodhi the parrot. Bodhi is a parrot, right? He's a macaw. <laughs> How do you so? How do you so, so? First off, welcome Tammy. Welcome Tad. Thanks for sitting in with us Thanks, today. Shane. Thank you. Yeah, it's great to have you both. Um, and uh, man, Nashville is uh, it's a trip here, huh? Yeah, music city. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, Jess and I were walking around the first night we got here, and it was just jam packed with people, and uh, just literally music in every bar, every Everywhere. restaurant. Yeah, tons of barbecue. <laughs> Good stuff, man. So how are you guys doing? How's the trip out here? It was beautiful. Uh, you know, Tad and I, um, in our traveling, we do what's called the Love and Light Tour. Yeah. And, and we take every opportunity we have, like the conference and coming out here to foundations, to, to get on the road and connect with people. Yeah. And like I was telling you last night, Shane, there's all these opportunities. You know, we, we try to uh, schedule. We try to uh, have an agenda. But the truth is, yeah. is just getting out on the open road and 
being open to what needs to happen and where we need to be, we just magically, miraculously end yeah. up exactly where we're supposed to be and giving the message, not only just a message of sobriety and recovery, you know, I feel like that's the beginning message and the message behind it is love and light. Hmm. And, and like how can we all communicate better? How can we honor and respect each other when we come from a place of pure love and instead yeah. of a place of judgment and um, labels and all of that other yeah. BS that comes along yeah. with it. <laughs> Lots of stigma around that. Yeah. What about you, what about you, Tad? How how um how has this been uh you know doing awaken industries, traveling around, like what what's your take on it? Oh man, I, I uh I'm blessed, man. You know, when we talked the last time I, I told you that uh you know, oftentimes I, I have to just take a step back and look at my life and, and you know, to go from from the trials that I'd, I've been through to a yeah. position of, of uh, you know, and when people pick up the phone and, and call two strangers and invite them into their lives, you know, people are private. No one wants to share their dirty laundry. Yeah. So, you know, the families that, that we get in touch with, um, they're so desperate, they're so scared, um, and they're just really at a complete loss that they, they, their last effort, their last hope is to call complete strangers, invite them into their home, share all their dirty laundry with them. I mean, you, it, it shocks me sometimes what comes out during <laughs> interventions. But, but, you know, we, we went to a, a really amazing uh, keynote speaker this morning that talked about getting on your horse and riding into your pain yeah. every single day. And it really moved me to hear her talk about that and, and, and what that means. It doesn't mean to stay stuck in your story, to stay stuck in your pain. You're going to ride to participate in the battle. You're not going yeah. to, to sit there and wallow and try and get other people to listen to your story. And this is what, you know, everyone's got a story. Everyone's got a story. But, um, you know, when you, can, when you can be the hero of your own story, when you can be the victor of your own story and go through what you've gone through and come out on the other side, there is nothing else to do but to continue to get on that horse and continue to, to encourage other people that it is the pain that molds you. Yeah. You know, that nobody's ever lived a life of ease worth remembering, you know? Well, and, it, and if, there's, if there's one person uh, that, that probably has experienced a lot of that, it's yourself. And if you would briefly, and I'm, like I said in the, in the opening, I'm going to encourage everyone listening, go back and check out episode 97 uh, to, hear, um, to hear more details about Tad's uh, story. But if you would real quick, man, if you don't mind, can you just kind of touch real quick a quick overview of, um, of your experience? Sure. Uh, I grew up in a fifth of seven children, uh, very strict Mormon home, um, very born into a really athletic, uh, competitive family. Um, pops died when I was 16. I was pretty much getting in trouble uh, throughout. Um, ended up in the prison system at 19, uh, spent six years in, in the state system. Uh, really really naive really scared when i went in um some i mean just a lot of crazy shit went down uh when i first went in but long story short i i clicked up with the with the white supremacist organization to to keep myself safe while i was in prison and and uh i guess climbed my way to the top of, of that of that organization and ended up i've got you know 10 stab wounds and and spent years in solitary confinement years in gang units years in supermaxes 
Um, you know, did did a couple different state prisons: California State Prison, Utah State Prison, and also I was also in the in the federal uh, prison system for about four years. So altogether, I did about 12 years. There was addiction. Yeah. Um, there was just complete mayhem. Um, you know, and and on this road that I've been on. Uh, the story that I was told, the story that, that I had, would give everybody else was that I was a shitty kid, that I was, a, I was this monster maniac kid. But as I've, as I've got into this, this industry, and, and even more importantly than this industry, is the, the journey of self-exploration, self-discovery. Yeah, yeah. Who am I and, and what the hell am I doing? You know, stuck to this blue planet propelling through outer space. Why am I here right now? <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Huh? So, <laughs> it is, crazy. man. When you yeah. can, it is. I mean, you know, what it's, are we I really remember, tripping on? Yeah, right. Uh, well, and I like that you kind of, you know, I think inadvertently, um, you kind of bring up a smile in that, and and just a laugh because through all that shit that you went through, crazy, um, you know, but. The fact that we're like, I think, uh, I think Glennon said it in the in the um, uh, presentation this morning is that we gotta laugh, we gotta find some joy and some fun in this recovery, um, and, and in just in life in general because otherwise it's gonna be like life is tough, you know. Uh, Tammy, what? Where, so where do you come into to this experience with Tad, um, you know, as a partner, and then also um, you know in in recovery work too. So like Tad, I was raised in a Mormon family as well. Um, mine wasn't as strict because mine was full of secret alcoholic and addicts. Hmm. And so, you know, I lived this world growing up of, you know, what was presented to society and church people in yeah. the outside world and then what was going on behind, behind closed doors. And, and it was a bunch of chaos and a bunch of uh, confusion and not understanding what was happening. I just knew that... I had to be a good girl when I went over here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so within that, you know, I just um, saw this dual world. And it, you know, it really resonated with me this morning when uh, Glennon was talking about integrity, yeah. how the outside has to match the inside. And that was the conflict that I had growing up was the integrity that was within my family. And you think authenticity uh -huh. would, would kind of play into that oh. too? Just feeling like, like who kind of, who am I? Yeah. Who's my authentic self? Who's my authentic self? Yeah, I kind self. of picked up on that too in there. It was pretty neat. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And so I ended up unknowingly married an alcoholic. Hmm. Uh, my mom started in recovery when I was about 16 and that was right when I was starting to experiment with things. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, you're crazy. What are you doing? Why are we are these people in our living room with candles lit and yeah. a big triangle outside my door? Oh, <laughs> you wow. know? So I, I was really interesting to me to have that coming into my life yeah. when I was just starting into exper experimenting. Um, so I married an alcoholic and I didn't know he was an alcoholic and I had lots of therapists that would tell me, oh, you're an enabler, you're, a, you're codependent, and I would fire them. I didn't like that. I, you know, I knew that I was healthy. I tried really hard to be healthy and that he had a problem and I was going to fix it. I was going to help him get fixed. And no so th what those it ones telling you, the therapist, oh, yeah. whatever, friends, family, yeah. whatever, that, hey, you might want to, you were like, nah, I got this. No, like, no, 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 no. Which you, is so easy to do when you're, you're in that denial, right? Right, yeah. right. And so, you know, I learned, I learned about my condition of denial and what it was. And I think that's a huge part in being uh, a so-called translator for families yeah. and, and addicts or, yeah. or clients, you know, someone that can translate that language yeah. um, and not be in denial so the denial was huge for me and you'd asked me earlier when did I have that moment that aha moment yeah, yeah. you know and that was you know during our course of, of tragedy and brutality I saw that um, 
you know, my husband was taking an anger management class and he'd come home drunk and talking all kinds of crap about what he learned in that class. And I was hoping he was going to... About how they were all wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I was really hoping yeah. he was going to have these moments of clarity and like come out of whatever he was in. Yeah. So I called the therapist and told her, you know, I don't know what you're doing in your class, but this is what my husband is saying when he comes home. And I was really hoping he would get something out of it. And she said, why don't you come to the women's class and then you can see what I, I teach. And Shane, it was in that class, in that moment. I mean, I was in there for 30 minutes when all of a sudden the light bulb came on. Yeah. All the pieces started falling into place. The puzzle pieces were fitting. All the things I'd learned through all those therapists I fired. Yeah. All the codependency classes I took, all the Al-Anon meetings I went to, everything started making sense and yeah. fitting into place. And it was my huge aha moment where I was like, oh my gosh, I am as bad as he is. Yeah. I am a part of the problem. I could possibly be the problem. Like I'm, I'm enmeshed in it. I'm a part of the cycle that's there. Not, I'm not separated from it. I'm yeah. completely in it. And that was my wake up call. That was my aha moment of, wow, I've been living in denial that it is as severe as it is and that I'm a part of it. Yeah. And I got it in that moment. And it was, it was that moment where Mother Teresa's quote really stuck to me. Yeah. It stuck to me like glue where it became part of my core that we must be the change we wish to see in this world. Yeah. And whenever I have these moments where I'm trying to help someone or, or help myself or something's going on, I go right into that, well, what can I do? What can I do? Well, how can I be that that I want them to be? If I want them to be this way, I have to be that. Yeah. If you yeah. want this in your life, you have to be that for yourself in your life. And so that so, was... Well, if you... If someone was listening right now and they didn't know, like maybe they were in a, a similar situation, but they don't know, like maybe they're, they think that, you know, maybe their spouse has an issue with drugs or with alcohol. Mm -hmm. um, what kind of advice or what, what, what can you tell them about how, um, how to take an honest, like how to take a step back and take an honest look at what, cause that's so hard when you're caught in that, right. when you're in the moment of it, like you've been through it. What, what do you tell people who, who might be going through something similar but not know it? I know that's a tough question. I know, but yeah. I, my, my, my fire inside's going because I'm yeah. trying to, to find the right <laughs> thing. But the truth is, is that um, if it walks like a duck and talks like a duck, it's duck. It's probably a duck. It's probably a duck, <laughs> right? Yep, and so, so if you have the question and it's there, then it's there. Yeah. If there's not a problem, the question's not going to come up. That the doubt isn't going to be there because there's not a problem. So, you know, the question I think that you're going for is a lot of people think, is it time yet? Is it that bad yet? Yeah. Like, do I need to do something now or do I wait and let them figure it out on their own? Yeah. And, you know, Tad and I, in the beginning of our intervention life together, you know, we used to always say, you know, would you stand there and watch your loved one stand in the middle of the road and watch a diesel come down and plow them down? No, you'd run and save them. You'd run and push them out of the way and save <laughs> yeah. them. So, you know, where's that fine line between being codependent enabling and actually standing up for someone who can't stand up for themselves yeah. and help them? You know, and it's a really fine line. So the question is, how do you know? When do you know? Right now. Hmm. Like, it's not something that you do later. It's not something that you regret that you didn't do before. Yeah. You stay right where your feet are and you make it happen right now. I moment. like that. You said right where your feet are. And I I've talked about this a lot on the show, but my homie Seth, um, it was pivotal in, in helping to get me sober because I, he was a good buddy of mine. And I was like, man, if Seth can do it, I could do it. And so I kind of 
followed in his path and he would always tell me he goes man if you start future tripping just look at your feet and you're right in this moment right now and he's like that saved my ass a lot of times and i do that often because i have my mind starts just going i gotta do this i gotta do that i gotta just get you to start tripping out on stuff and then no wait a minute let me take a step back and just i'm in this moment right now um and it really helps to just let that energy just go out just yeah god will take care of it let you know it what i mean just so so when we talk about Awaken Industries, you guys obviously both, and thank you for sharing both um, a little bit about your own experiences. Um, where do you guys come together in this and, and start doing the work that you're doing with interventions, life uh, coaching, and then traveling around too? You guys drove like 30 hours to get here, which yeah. I thought was insane, by the way. <laughs> so How was that we, drive? After like 15 hours, <laughs> Tad was like, we really need to start getting Bodhi on an airplane. <laughs> <laughs> that is a long drive. And you all come from Oregon, right? Yeah, Eastern yeah. Oregon. Yeah. Well, we had a we had a, an African gray that was my baby, like my and and it accidentally died while we were gone. It got left outside. So uh, so for an African gray is a another breed or a, a another parrot. parrot. Oh, it's yeah. another parrot. Okay, yeah, it's another parrot. The anyway, smartest the, of all parrots. The really? dogs got left inside. The bird got left outside, and, and oh, my no. baby was killed, man. So oh, that sucks, by evil man. raccoons. Yeah, bro, no so I'll, shit. I'll drive sixty hours, man. I just want to make sure that, that. Yeah, for sure. I want to bring him with me, and and I mean, he's my baby. So, so <laughs> he said, "Take that." So how do, how does one come about getting a parrot? And like like how, I don't I know nothing about parrots, but they're so cool. Other than like I. They're associated with pirates, right? We see parrots with pirates like back. Yeah. Then. That's probably a stigma that's pretty <laughs> stupid. Um, but you know, where do you where do you get a parrot from? So, Tad. Well, I'm I'm the guy that will bring any animal home that won't run away from me, right? <laughs> yeah, so yeah, even yeah. as a kid. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Tad. We're both animal lovers. Tad is way more intense. You know, I've got the logical. You know, who's going to feed and clean and all that stuff behind yeah. it, and so. Tad, um, we were at a restaurant waiting in line, um, and there was a pet store next door, and we went next door, and Bodhi was there. <laughs> and him and Tad locked eyes, and it was it was something out of a movie, I Homies swear. for life. Homies right for life. This bird <laughs> climbed down off his perch, climbed up on Tad's shoulder, and just started whispering in his ear, no breathing way. like a dog. And, you know, he was pretty expensive, so it took us a few weeks to really decide and if that's what we were going to spend our money on <laughs> it didn't take me a few weeks to decide it took me a few yeah. weeks to earn the money <laughs> yeah oh man i bet man so so bodhi um we would go back and visit him and it was definitely a connection and he's he is without a doubt tad's feathered son he's, buddy, huh? he's he's his bro for sure well and you, i mean animals are are their spiritual teachers animals aren't future tripping and they're not tripping on the past either huh. they're, they're right here point. they're right now I mean, you could ask an animal and if it, what time it was it's always right now. What else is there? Damn, that's tight. I like that. You know? yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. That's a great point. And to, to, to be somebody who, who's surrounded by animals, that's just, you know, in, in this generation set aside from family and friends, most of the interaction that we as humans have is they're, looking, they're trying to get something out of it. They yeah. want something from you or you're providing something for them and for money or for whatever, what yeah. all that is. Yeah. And so, um, and animals, uh, they're, they're just they don't really have an agenda you know if you can if you treat them right um you know there's a lot of animals on this earth unfortunately that don't get treated right they get whooped into submission yeah. and get the shit beat out of them and that shit so, makes me so mad when i see it come uh, across that kind of there's nothing worse i think than seeing something innocent being hurt you yeah know i can't I mean? watch it, just, it i don't i hate yeah i can't watch it because <laughs> i want to <laughs> I, I guess like that's one of those um 
Is that one of those weird, like, human instincts where um, you have that instinct to want to hurt somebody? Because I'm, you know, hurt someone in- that's yeah, hurting, hurt the someone that's hurting the innocent. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I, I think, think so. it's a natural instinct um, to want to do that. At least I, I would think so. A protective instinct. Yeah, protective. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what I don't, uh, you know, I think what it would be like to work in a in a slaughterhouse. You know, where they try yeah. to grab these cows by the leg and drag them around on this conveyor belt. They can hear their homies getting their throats sliced or yeah. whatever the hell they're doing to them. Yeah. Why can't we treat them with some dignity? And we treat people who rape kids and and, and kill people with more dignity and respect than that when it's time for them to go. Like they, you know, they get them a bed and they lay them down. Last and they, meal. And they, yeah, yeah, you get a nice last meal. Like why can't we, I wish that we could have that shift as humanity where, where I love, I love steak, man. And have I love, a big and party for the cows before they <laughs> Well, just treat them with dignity, man. Yeah. Treat them with dignity and some love yeah. and respect. You know, there, there's, and they don't. I mean, these animals that never see the outside, that never see the light of day, yeah. These chickens that are that are, and I mean, I've had roosters, man. I've got chickens that lay on my chest. Uh, you know, anyone who doesn't think the chickens have feelings, uh, you know, I got pictures to show you. They, they really? absolutely do, man. And so, but they're just pure consciousness. They're pure consciousness. They, pure if, consciousness they if they do like want that. something from you, it's you know, it's food or it's, but it's a companionship and it's yeah. a, um, you know, we we live on a on a thirty acre goat farm right now. Oh, nice. You know, and a lot of times. <laughs> The goats will get will stick their heads in the fence and get their horns stuck in the fence. Oh wow! And and I swear every time I go out to get a goat's head out of the fence, I envision myself being called by a family because that's what the rest of the herd does. Yeah. They cry and let you know, man. You know, one of our homies is down. <laughs> so and I walk Come out and there. Help me. Yeah, and I'm walking up to this goat who's been struggling at the fence. They're trapped. They're stuck. But they're still struggling. Yeah. And it's so indicative of like, it's just, I mean, I, I stop and, and watch it for a minute unfold yeah. because, because if, if humans were pure consciousness, like this is exactly how an intervention would go down, hmm. you know, minus all the stories, all the bitterness, all the blame, all the labeling that goes on. Look, one of our homies is down. That's just what's happening here. Yeah. This, and he's not a piece of shit because yeah. he's stuck in the fence. He's not less than because she's stuck in the fence. There's just a bunch of people who are her tribe, her herd, yeah. letting people who can help know, hey, something's, off, something's wrong over here. And then, and then here I come. And, and although they follow me around and they love me, they're still panicked when I come up. There's, you, know, you can see the fear in their eyes. You can see the desperation. They're struggling. They're weak from yeah. being tired. Who knows how long, you know, some goats are head get stuck in the fence all night. So you go out the next morning and, they're you know, they, yeah, they've been, oh, they're, I mean, they can barely stand up. I was going to say, probably exhausted. And, and how does that correlate with us, yeah. with people who are addicted and who, you know, are continuously telling themselves over and over again? I mean, we are, we are, uh, you know, energetic and emotional beings and are we yeah. are responding to the thoughts that come into our head. Imagine how hard that would be for that goat if that goat sat and told itself that whole time it was stuck what a piece of shit it was. Hmm. Now imagine wow. what if its tribe was coming over and telling them, you motherfucker. You stupid goat. Yeah, you, you dumbass. dumbass goat. How many times is it going to take you to get your head stuck in the fence before you know no good comes of it? doesn't matter how good that alfalfa looks outside the fence. You're going, <laughs> it leads to hell. It yeah. leads to entrapment. It leads to no, no freedom. Yeah. So anyway, going out there and... and, and and working with that goat because they just don't let you pull their head out. You, you've got to you've got to grab them by the horns. But there's also a sense of trust there, and trust is earned. So, 
as it correlates with families that we work with, you, you know, you can thank the, the show Intervention from A&E, that, that Intervention people that call up think it's just going to be this one meeting, that it's an all or nothing, lay all your chips on the table, and if it works and they end up going to treatment, then hey, these interventionists are good, and if it doesn't work and they still get up and tell everyone to go fuck themselves and walk out of the room, then hey, these interventionists are probably not who we should have called. Yeah. And man... Looking at that like that is just what I was talking about earlier, that human beings, unfortunately, on this earth right now, we want something from each other. Yeah. It's not a genuine interaction. It's not a, it's not a, you know, I was listening to something on the way out here. It's a book called The Untethered Soul. And, you know, when you hear people say we're one, it's all connected and we're one, that rings true to my soul. It, it stirs something deep within me where I'm like, yeah, that's true. But I've never been able to really like explain it. What do you mean we're all one? We look different. You know, we all come from different walks of life. Yeah. Animals are different. How are we all one? With the sense that, you know, and I, and I was raised, you know, religious, and I'm not religious, but I am spiritual. But the way, what this book says, there's an intelligence within every living thing. We're really not running our bodies. Yeah. You're yeah. not consciously breathing. You're not consciously circulating your blood. You're not consciously digesting your food. There is an intelligence within every living thing. And th that web, that God's just div divinity, yeah. that's, what, that's why we're one. Because the intelligence that, but, you know, we as humans, we've, we, we have a, you know, our brain being this supercomputer. It's what it is. It's a yeah. supercomputer. And it has a virus, man. It has a virus. It's fear. And that fear, that guilt, that shame, as I'm talking about that goat stuck in the fence, they would probably die. Those goats would probably, if they, if they were to get so emotionally involved with this slip-up, that's what it is. It's a slip-up, man. They, they saw something that they thought was going to be enticing and it was worth it to do. It's, it's telltale. So basically, let's say, let's say you come over and you help the goat get his, his head out of the fence. And then for the next week, the goat lays down and goes, I'm such a dumbass. I stuck my head in that fence and I just, man, what, a, what an idiot. No one else sticks their head in the damn fence as bad as, or as many times as I have or whatever. And just, he's never, he's never going <laughs> to jump out of that, it's right? It's a trip. Yeah, that's crazy, man. That's a good perspective. I've never really thought of it. Um, and I love that you said the... Uh, uh, what was I took a little note of that uh, animals have no sense of time it's it's pure consciousness and they're like I asked my I'm gonna ask my dog hey hey Brody my dog's name is Brody Brody what time is he? he's not gonna say 530 like you said he's gonna say it's fucking right now like yeah. let's play Shit. <laughs> maybe I'll lick my balls for a little bit I don't know fuck it <laughs> exactly. but you know what I mean like yes. Um, so, so do you guys, um, do you use Bodhi a lot in some of the oh, yeah. therapy? Like how, do, that's pretty cool. I've, I've heard that that works yeah. well with animals. It does. And you know, Bodhi is an icebreaker, of course. Yeah. And, um, so when he comes into a room, if the room is set up for an intervention, it's set up for a family meeting. But when Bodhi comes into the room, it becomes about Bodhi. I see. And it's not about it, Johnny. It's yeah. not about dad. It's not yeah. about uncle or grandpa. It's about Bodhi. And so it kind of just relieves all that tension that's yeah. built up and everybody's feeling and we get to focus on him and then, and he's so precious, you know, yeah, he really cool, is. Dude. Um, he just brings that out in everybody. So we use him a lot because he, he's an icebreaker. You know, yeah. there's always that one crazy person. Like, I don't like birds. <laughs> I'm scared the hell of that you bird. don't get over here and pet <laughs> this damn bird. So I was so excited to see Abby. Uh -huh. I mean, her, her wife gave an amazing, amazing yeah. keynote. But I, I mean, I'm a huge sports fan, huge soccer fan. 
So just for the record, Jess called her a professional tennis player. No disrespect, <laughs> Abby, but Jess is Jess. Yeah, I had a bus. I got to bust you out on that because it it was great. And she said, "Yeah, she's the one who is, plays tennis, right?" And we kind of laughed or whatever. But no, that's Montana yeah. Montanaloba. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> yeah. Anyways, um, go ahead. Sorry. So I anyway, to... <laughs> she said. So I, I I was I was so I mean first thing as soon as it ended I said you know let's go get a picture with Abby. Yeah. But so I wanted her to see my bird. You know he was up in the room locked in the shower messing with the maids, and um, and I, Abby saw him and said I don't trust that bird. So anyway, just to talk, just talking yeah. about that, and, and so oftentimes we'll have that because just like with anything else, trust is earned. Yeah, that's, and so it, that's you know, when interventionists show up on the scene, the, the family's nervous that we're there. The family oftentimes is more nervous that we're there than the than the identified loved one. Yeah, yeah. You know, but yeah, awesome icebreaker. I mean, I you know, what we tell families, same thing. I'm telling you, I tell families, like, what are we really tripping on here? We yeah. are propelling through outer space, held to a planet by gravity. <laughs> in the middle of nowhere it's so crazy and how many miles an hour like what the yeah. fuck are we really tripping yeah, on right. what are we really tripping on if somebody in this family in this room right now died right now and people take their last breath all the time happens all the time if they died right now would it shift your priorities would it shift your your energy would it shift your thought process of course it would yeah well let's try and do that let's try and bring some awareness into the room so that we can do that without having somebody go without yeah. having somebody die because that's I think with human beings that's what you know when someone dies well you know that uh, Glennon said it this morning pain or love pain or love that's the only way to change it's the only way to evolve pain or love and so um, and in more times than not we as humans choose pain choose yeah. pain but but it's okay it's okay well I love how she said too that that pain um, is 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 what makes us grow and getting through yes. that pain. I mean, I Absolutely. thought that was so so huge because we look at pain as as the negative and it hurt because it hurts. And how um, to avoid it? And how to exactly and how to avoid it? So, like for me, I use alcohol and drugs. So I don't have to. I don't have to feel it. I don't have to think about it. Anything. Yeah, talking about um, our hiding places. Yeah, it was oh, awesome. Man, that yeah, stuff. it was good. It was good stuff. Um, well, what uh, we'll, we'll wrap this up. I just got a couple more quick questions for you, and then. Um, um, uh, Number one, up, any upcoming projects or anything you guys are working on um, that, to, that you can share with people listening? All kinds of stuff all yeah. the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and, and, yeah, we got, we've got we, a, a lot of good stuff going on. Um, you know, one of the things I wanted to, I wanted to mention is that, is that um, we've been doing a lot of research and a, mm -hmm. lot, of, a lot of stuff behind CBD, behind the, behind the non-psychoactive part of the marijuana plant. And coming from the, this industry, being, you know, that the label is the gateway drug. And, and yeah, of course, no heroin addict started out with a needle in their arm. They started yeah. out smoking weed. But, I mean, if, if, I don't know, I just have a different opinion about it. I mean, I think that if you're going to label that, then masturbation is the gateway action to rape. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> so, but anyway, now with that being said, I also, I mean, it, you know, marijuana, THC, affects brain development. I am not preaching yeah. smoking weed that's yeah. not what i'm preaching but we, we we live in an industry we work in an industry where lives are lost they're lost like when you work in the car industry hey if you do a shitty deal or someone gets a shitty deal or something people die people are dying several yeah and if there's another way if there's something if there's another avenue that we can explore that 
that is going to help us evolve as an industry. We are ha we, there is an opioid epidemic. I don't. I mean, it's yeah. just now getting started to talk about on the news, where you know where newscasters are starting to say it. This has been going on for a minute, man, and and people are still believing that. I mean, and opium is an amazing drug. It allows us to open people up and work on their hearts. It allows us to, to work on people's backs. But it's killing people. Yeah. It's poison yep. to the human body. And when you're coming off of it, that your body has a reaction to that. And so uh, that's something that we're working on and, and, and really trying to step lightly, um, you know, because I know how sensitive it is of a subject. Yeah. And well, no, man, I'm, I'm so glad you brought this up right now, actually, Tad, because um, I just had a friend um, who is uh, who's going to come on um, in just a couple of weeks, actually. And uh and he was he he just he he just um, recently hit a year, and he said, "Well, you know, I wasn't going to bring this up. I haven't talked to him in 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 depth in really a long time." And uh, he said, "He goes, you know, a lot of people don't know if uh, you know." He's like, "I consider myself sober. He's I can't remember what he's diagnosed with, but rather than take um, prescription pills, which the doctor tried to prescribe him, sure. he chose to go down the route to um, do edibles." Because and, and he said it's been it's done nothing but good for him. He doesn't smoke pot to get high. It's medicine for him. And so there was this um, there was this kind of um, stigma even behind that, like where he would question sometimes, well, am I sober? Because some people say I'm not sober. I feel sober. You know what I mean? And I think that's a I don't even know how to address that right now. It's not yeah, really what I'm yeah. trying to get into, I guess. Yeah. But I just I want to hear more about your oh, dude, your take on a, this. I would like, love yeah. to do a whole show on it. Man. Let's let's well, do it. Let's you know. And, and that when we were in Oregon, that was one of the main things that started happening for us. Is is you know, as interventionists, you know how many times Shane we've ended up with somebody in our house because the treatment center couldn't take them that day. Their insurance wasn't clearing for some yeah. weird reason. Like, yeah. for whatever reason, they're in our house and they're detoxing. And we're like, what the fuck are we wow. going to do? <laughs> and so, yeah. so, you know, medical marijuana has saved those people so many times. And, you know, for Tad and I, you know, looking at, like what you said, is, is them using marijuana instead of... Um, Prozac instead of yeah. Xanax to get off alcohol instead yeah. of a Valium instead of the, instead of methadone instead of Suboxone, is that mean they're sober or they're not? I don't know and I really don't care. Yeah. What I do know that yeah. is that through our research, through doing that on our own and seeing the effects that it has on people, that the CBD part of it, that's the medical part of the plant, that's what helps people hmm. and it's huge and you can get it from THC or you can get it from hemp that Got is non psychoactive. It. And so Tad and I are really just educating ourselves and trying to figure out what the heck, um, what the heck we can do. Yeah. You know, I almost feel like an activist about it well, right I, now I, at this point. I was just going to say, I, and really I, I really do. Let's, let's set something up later on to, to dive into this more because, um, like, like my buddy and I had talked about recently, um, I don't think that it's something that is, and, and maybe I'm wrong. I'm not an expert at it, you know, in the field by any means, but it doesn't seem like it's being talked about enough and right. there's a really harsh stigma behind it because mm -hmm. people don't want to fucking address it um, because of that stigma. Everyone's fucking kind of tippy-toeing around it, but like, is it working or is it not working? I think that's what, it, it, you know, the question comes down yeah. to and everybody's different. You know, everyone kind of has different programs, different things that work, but something important to talk about. So that's really cool oh, yeah. you guys are doing that. Well, I love that. And, and I, I have no problem in saying that, that I, I predict that medical marijuana will be used in the detoxing of, of people who are addicted to these drugs where the body gets physically dependent, alcohol, yeah. Yeah. Uh, heroin. It will be 
it will be because you, you can't you I, I think that it's rolling so hard downhill right now and with that being said like i respect the 12 steps immensely sure absolutely i respect the guys that go up there and get their chips and that uh, because it literally saved their lives yeah but when when you when you're going up and you're collecting a chip and you're on medication that taken as directed will kill you um and you're not going up and getting a chip when you're taking medication i mean that's what People take medication to sleep. People take medication for anxiety. People take medication for depression. Medical marijuana has the ability to treat all of those things. Yeah. And it's right from a plant in the ground. Like, I mean, we have an endocannabinoid system in our body. Just to give you a short brief, you have a system in your body that has been hardwired to receive this. Hmm. That is directly linked to your immune system, your your Neuro system. Uh, neurological system. And it has been completely shut down since the 20s, since our government removed hemp from yeah. our diets. Hemp used to be, and I'm not, again, this is, I'm not even wanting to get into the whole smoke and weed. Well, yeah, because I know, I know there's, there's so much history behind all, all of this. And, so much. Yeah, I mean, I'm Imagine our, our animals used to eat the hemp that was growing in our land. And so we were getting this cannabis from the animals that we were eating because they were yeah. getting it into their body. And so our systems back in the day were getting it. Then our government shut it down. Yeah, you know, and so Americans don't have access to that part of the cannabis well, plant. Well, that they're, they're getting, they're starting to get more now because you can buy hemp products, you can buy yeah. stuff on. But yeah, it's. I mean, I tell people all the time, you're 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 trying to argue a point from government standpoint. You argue with God. We have an endocannabinoid system <laughs> in our body. We are hardwired to receive it. it. Argue with Him. Yeah. Don't Jesus, wanna, don't, don't make wanna. no mistakes. <laughs> I don't want to. Well, yeah, because yeah, you and you and you start thinking of it from that perspective. Um, I think that the, a lot of the stigma behind it is looked at from a political perspective. Yeah. It's not looked at or a money perspective or, mm -hmm. or whatever. It's not looked at from that healing perspective. I mean, I know um, a, a, a great guy who lost his life to a brain tumor within, I think, 10, 10 months before, mm -hmm. um, you know, he, from when he found out to when he finally passed away. And, um, you know, during at least those 10 months, um, that medical marijuana at least made his life, um, you know, livable, livable and, and somewhat as pleasant as, as your life, I guess, can be um, in knowing that you're going to you know, pass away be, at some getting point. involved in, in what we've been involved in uh, recently. I can't tell you the, the number of people that I've seen that just literal miracles, people yeah. that are not supposed to be walking around and living because the doctors had told them, go home, there's nothing else we can do for you. And unfortunately, a lot of times with, with humans, that's, that's when they are willing, but not until then. And by, and by that time, I mean, if he would have got on this stuff in the very beginning, He'd yeah. probably still be here. Yeah. But yeah, instead, he point. probably did all of the, you know, the chemo and the radiation and, and anything else that they wanted him to do. And and anyway, I mean, I don't want to get off on a tangent. <laughs> well, no, that's cool, man. But I I, I think, um, you know, for, for this show's sake, we'll wrap this up. But let's uh, let's definitely um, uh, connect soon on that. And I, I'd like to do um, a whole a whole show about cool. it because I'm, I'm getting schooled on it myself, Good. which, you know, which is awesome. I'll, I'll, I'll dig into it a little bit more. And then. Um, um, I think that you're right in that you're, you're starting to do like ad advocacy work in yeah. that field and it's mm -hmm. only going to continue uh, right. to grow. So it's really cool. Well, and uh, you know, just real quickly before we get done here, I, I'm glad that we got to do this together because there's a beautiful magic that happens with our team and, and yeah. the team of me and Tad and it includes Bodhi the bird too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Tad has that, um, 
you know, she talked this morning about being a translator. Yeah. And that stuck with me huge because that's what I feel like a lot of times is, you know, Tad and I aren't delivering a new message that these people have never heard. We're not presenting something that they've never experienced. We're translating information and Tad has a way of translating what the family wants to that person so that they understand it. And I can translate to the family because I've been in that position. I've been in the denial. I've been in that enabling a codependency. And so I I know that path. And I think it's a beautiful, magical experience that we offer. Absolutely. Well, um, if folks out there want to reach out to you, they want to get more information, um, where could they do that? Our phone number is real easy. If if they want to um, try to remember that, it's 866-96-SOBER. Um, goes right there with that. 866-96-SOBER. And that's a hotline that reads direct, directly to Tad and I's cell phones. Um, and our website is www.awakenindustries.net. Thanks for tuning in today live from Nashville at the Innovations and Behavioral Healthcare Conference brought to you by Foundations Recovery Network. For more information, you can go to www.thatsoberguy.com. Peace, love, respect. Keep your blood clean.